What's up and welcome into the lead block. Happy Monday, everybody. My name is Tyler Walters. I'm your host alongside my co-host, Matthew Anderson. Matthew, how you doing? Doing great, man. How about you? Doing well. Um, we'll start straight from the top. South Carolina College Station yesterday, um, or Saturday, and just got destroyed. Dismantled. Looks absolutely awful. Yeah. What, what's your... I'll start with you. What was your biggest biggest takeaway from the game Saturday? It was interesting for me to see how it seemed like the defense wanted to keep them in the game, and it was like at some point it was kind of they gave out. And they did exactly what I thought. They were getting a little bit of pressure on uh, what's the guy's Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond hit him a couple times. TJ had that hit. Which was I didn't I was wondering when I saw it I was like is that gonna be targeting because I know he led with the crown of his helmet but because it didn't hit the other guy in the helmet I didn't know if that was gonna be it or so but luckily that happened in the first half right because if that happened in the second half he'd been suspended for the first half of the Clemson game correct yes so uh, I'm glad you brought that point up but so I guess the the rule targeting is you can't lead with the crown of the helmet in anywhere in the head neck or like chest area yeah but I mean. You look later in the game, there were a couple targeting calls that were reviewed and, and not called on Texas A&M. Yeah, they had two of them, right? Yeah, and I, I think if you judge the second one of those, by the way, if Brunson got called for his, uh, I, don't, I didn't know like how you couldn't call the, the second one for A&M. And that was the one on the carry-on, correct? Yes. Uh, but, I mean, I guess... They looked at it and decided for whatever reason that that it wasn't uh, worthy of the the him being thrown out of the game and, and the actual foul. Um, but I think when you look, I, I think the difference there was probably that Brunson, when you watch it in live speed, Brunson was going in with his head for longer. It was like a he made a he made a decision to lead with his helmet versus other guys just stuck their heads down at the last second. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, both, like, the second one, I think the second one, the Texas A&M defender, kind of, he got up, he was banged up himself because he led with his helmet. Yeah. Was that the the second one? That was to carry on. The first one yeah, was first, Adkins, right? One of, the, one of the A&M ones. Yeah, that's the one whenever Trey Adkins, the walk-on receiver, I think 35, caught Yes. Him, which was actually a really good throw by the carry on, but that guy got cleaned. It's crazy. That how nowadays that's like a penalty or whatever because it used to just be a typical Sunday watching Ed Reed play. Yep. But nowadays, you know, these things are allowed. That was a really good pass, but to carry on, but yeah. Well, in the Brunson hit, uh, I can very clearly that like hitting a quarterback in the chest. Yeah. Is one of the you know that's a big hit. Those are some of the most celebrated hits in football. Yeah. As far as momentum. And things, if you go back in history, and I can very clearly remember a Miami playing a game, I don't know, eight, nine years ago, and I can't even remember who they had at quarterback then. And they, they just got absolutely, they might have been playing Boston College, and their quarterback got absolutely just popped in the chest. Right? With the guy's face mask, and that was like the biggest hit of the weekend. It was on Sports Center's like top five plays or whatever, top 10. But. Now, I mean, the way things have changed, I guess you're trying to get rid of that. I don't, I don't know. The chest is, the chest always looks is always hard for me to see, uh, as far as you know, that being an actual foul versus it being football. But I mean, I guess if they're, if the science points towards that hurting just as much as leaving with the crown of the helmet, helmet to helmet, 
then that would be the reason for the rule. I, I don't know. It, but for South Carolina to lose T.J. Brunson in the first, you know, drive of the game or whatever. Yeah, that was big. That was huge. Because then you had Staley coming a lot. And while Staley, I think Staley is either a sophomore or a junior, but obviously T.J. is taking the majority of the snaps. So this was a lot uh, on the road in the SEC. It was like uh, Staley's time to really, I guess, learn on the go. Yeah. Um, this is – this was the most. Uh, it's hard to look at this season and say any <laughs> one game is worse than the rest of them for South Carolina, uh, because North Carolina. When you, you look at that that South Carolina North Carolina game, you think you know how much worse can you look? Yeah. Uh, and against Alabama, they looked all right, and you know they go on and they look absolutely miserable against Missouri. Uh, and then they look miserable against Tennessee, and you like you just you lost to Appalachian State at home last weekend, and now you and you would think that would kind of motivate you to more to try to you know keep your your head in the game or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but you go to College Station and you just lay down and let them just destroy you all game on the offensive side of the football or South Carolina's offensive side of the football. There was no there, – I mean, there was nothing. They didn't score a touchdown the whole game. And whenever you look at the rushing statistics, it actually reminds you a lot of last week. You had Rico Dado who had seven carries for 12 yards, which is averaging 1.7 yards carry. You have Joseph Chalk. Ten who had one carry for ten yards. Oh yeah, I'm I'm glad you're saying that, and you're kind of reading it. I, I tell you, you're kind of reading it funny, looking straight off the. Uh, oh Google stats. Yeah, off the stat, off the the box score. Oh yeah, Charlton. remember Charlton pulled that great play by Joseph Charlton in the second half to maybe the fourth quarter, pull a ball down that was going to absolutely get blocked, make Definitely. a little shifty move there, had some some athleticism, um, and get a first down. When I saw it, that is about his heads up of a place. That's from a punter that you could get. Luckily, it worked out because even if he would have gotten tackled before he got to the first down, that would have given Texas A&M really good field position. Also, for South Carolina, you cannot let that guy run straight through the middle. They always say no. this is like offensive line talk. The, if you're if he's going to come get the quarterback, make him go the longest route, you know, from the outside. If you send that guy straight through the middle, and that could also uh, hurt your punter. So, something to think about. Yeah, uh, and then – what what I wanted to say, I, I saw this tweet from Josh Kendall last night, which kind of summed up South Carolina game perfectly. Yeah. Joseph Charlton had more punts, eight, than South Carolina had points, six, and was two yards shy of being the team's leading rusher in the thirty to six loss to Texas A and M. Good night from Texas. That that was Kendall's tweet, which is astronomical. Or like you said, Rico Dell, seven attempts, twelve yards, one point seven yards a, uh, a carry. Uh, Kevin Harris and nine, uh, three attempts and nine yards. Yeah, you don't have a rusher over twelve yards. That is in an SEC football twelve yards Kevin. in any football game. How do you? How with this group of running backs, do you not have a rusher have more than twelve yards? We were thinking for a while, especially after Kevin Harris played in the Charleston Southern game. We're thinking, okay, you got him, you had Feaster, you had Dowdle, and then you had uh, what's the what's the guy? Fenwick. Fenwick is like, okay. We have a loaded running back uh, room, but I guess and Jensen. Yeah, don't leave Jensen out. And Jensen, it's like, but it actually is starting to become the weakness. Yeah, I mean that was my question. Is you know last night watching that game, where is Deshaun Fenwick? He had a great game two weeks ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And. We haven't seen him since 
you know, and he, I think he had a couple snaps against App State, uh, but what happened? When you're struggling like that to get anything going, why why is he not a guy that's proven he's had a little success? I don't mean Dowdle's had success too. Throw him in, mix it up, you know, running back. Um, they've they running back by committee anyway. They their guys are in and out nonstop. Um, I, that was my question: is you know you have this guy who ran for over 100 yards two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and he hasn't been heard from since. Since then, I don't know what happened. And it's not like you've gotten any healthier since then. You you Dowdle was out then. Feaster's out now, and didn't see a lot of Denson last night. Nope. Um, it, it's just it's confusing to, to watch. But when you have your punter have almost on a on a wild play who he pulls the ball down to avoid it getting blocked and take off on one single run and he's the team's second leading rusher of the night by only two yards. I mean how much worse does the run game get? I mean, it really cannot. I don't like oh my god. I can't even imagine like in the offensive line room between them and then obviously the running backs, like what the devil is like this would be the perfect time you hear a lot of this in the NFL. It's like we gonna have girl, let's go in, have a meeting, a players only meeting between the offensive linemen. Like, yo, what is not working here? Because we have to get something going, but at the same time you'll have one more game. So Yeah, I, I I'm starting to feel like that what you just said is kind of the the feeling around the facility and in the program is like, you know what? We only got two more <laughs> games. We just got to get through just it get kind through of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and it looks to me, you know, like they just, they aren't, I, I don't like, yeah, they're motivated on game days to go in and, and and try to get a win. But I don't know that that motivation carries throughout the week when they're in practices and they're getting going through film on, on Sunday and Monday and you're looking at different things uh, from the game the previous weekend. I don't think they're that they're all there, you know. It, it's not that they don't have a motivation, you know. It seems to me that they're carrying throughout the week uh, something that I did think they had earlier in the year. Yeah. Um, especially after you know Alabama and after North Carolina too, and after Missouri, they all had that like chip on their shoulder, and they they found a way to like come back and and win a few games against or a couple games, two games, Kentucky and, and Georgia there. Uh, but that that's kind of left the room, and it's deflated. And then, uh, uh, not interrupt you, but no, then you ahead. also see on offense there, uh, Helensky really isn't con- – and I don't know if it's because – maybe it's because there's these new receivers uh, who are maybe a little bit younger because of the injuries, but it's like they're not on the same page as all. Like the receiver keeps no. running, Helensky's throwing the ball behind them, looking like the guy was supposed to stop depending upon the coverage. You have that, and it just does not seem like things are flowing like they uh, once were. No, it, it looks like a complete just lack of, like a, just a complete fundamental breakdown yeah. on the offensive side of the football. And I, I think the defense played pretty well for most of the game last night. When you get to a fourth quarter and your offense only has three points, it, I don't, you know, you walk out on the field and you're like, man, this team, that we've been on the field as a defense all night. Our offense hasn't given us anything. You know, why, why should we keep... Killing ourselves 
for a game that we can't win because our offense can't score points. Yeah, that, and that's a real thing that happened to me in uh, high school football. It's like, and although, you know, you try to avoid it, but the defender players do eventually. They're exhausted, been out here all this time. It's like, your offense do something. And then that's the tension that starts to build. I don't know if that's present in South Carolina, but I'm sure that's at least in the back of the guy's mind. Because, like, y'all, like, we're doing all this, but it doesn't even matter because we're coming right back on this field with the same score. Yeah, uh, I went back and, and looked this up. South Carolina scored 30 points one time this year. Yep. One time. And then it was they scored 72 against Charleston Southern. Uh, their next highest scoring game was, what, 27? Yeah. And their loss to Florida? Yeah. 27 points. You, you can't win an average, like, 11 points a game against FBS opponents, you know? Last week against Appalachian State, you throw up 15 at home. Um, and then this week you go on the road and just throw up a you know another miserable point. six points. That was so staggering to me. And in the first drive of the game, they moved the ball pretty well. Yeah. Right. And, and that script seemed to work. Those that first drive, and then they get away from that, and it looks like, you know, we kind of talked about it on Friday's show is that the focus isn't efficiency or effectiveness; it's creativity. And how far does creativity get you? Well, it gets you to four and seven. Yep. That's how far it gets you right now. And then you're because just... you're trying to outdo yourself every week, which is what we hear from the coaching staff. Every single week, Muschamp has said we have to be more creative. There, creativity, that is not working. <laughs> At what point do you wake up and realize, you know what, we, we can't do this. We're not, we're not, we're not helping ourselves. A hundred percent. And then now with the whole creativity thing, it's like, once again, it's one more game to the season. But you're down to, like, in the depth chart, down to, like, lower, not like the first guy, like the three and the fours because of all the injuries and stuff. So now you really have problems. Like, Adkins is in the game. He gets hurt. Leggett jumped up. Did you see that when he had the catch and he ended up jumping up to avoid somebody on the sideline? Yep. Next thing you know, he grabs his hamstring. The running back room is kind of depleted. The offensive line, I don't know what's going on there. And then to carry on. He, had, he got the chance to throw the ball a little bit. Looked pretty good yesterday. Had that pass to Atkins. Had another one. Then he's trying to make something happen. He reminded me of very Lamar Jackson is whenever he had that run. And then he gets knocked out of the game. So now you have a case of Bentley is out. Holinsky, did you see when Holinsky got slammed down by his shoulder? Yes. And so that didn't look good. Now his backup is now out. I don't know how long uh, DeCarron will be on the concussion protocol, whatever they say. And then Urich is playing receiver because you have all these injuries at receiver, and now you're going to be depending on him to be your backup quarterback. So they will be definitely looking for the walk-on rule. Yeah, I uh, I was talking to someone yesterday before the game, um, and uh, you know we were kind of discussing how the season's gone and stuff, and um, they said this is my uncle, and he says, you know, at what point do we start looking at? We've got you know, 20 injuries on offense <laughs> and, and a few on the defensive side of the football. At what point do we start pointing fingers at the strength and conditioning program? Um, and I've heard a little of those murmurs on, on Twitter and stuff, you know, through Gamecock fans uh, throughout the season. And I, like, I got to start questioning it as well. Because when you have this many guys go down, like, it, right, like one or two things is what happened to Tua, which we'll talk about later in the show, Saturday is kind of a freak accident. Yeah. Um, and what she shouldn't have been put in that place to begin with. But like I said, we'll talk about it later on. And something like that happens, it's a one-off, right? There's no one to blame. Things happen, it's football. But when you have just 
guy after guy could go down. I mean, Brian Edwards was out Saturday, and, and Shai Smith's coming back from injury. Feaster's out. Dowell's coming back from injury. Um, you know, you have several offensive linemen who are in and out who've been banged up and, and whatnot at different times of the season. Yeah, Muse. Yep, Muse is out for the season with an ACL, which was a freak accident. Yeah. Uh, he just stuck his foot in the ground and just he just didn't let him do it anymore. Um, and, you know, when you have this number of injuries, there's got to be some bigger cause as to what what, what is going on. Uh, and I find it hard to believe that the strength and conditioning program is top-notch with the number of injuries you have. Because that's the whole point of strength and conditioning. To make yourself a little faster, a little stronger, but to keep your to, to allow your body to get to a point to where it doesn't break down when you get hit. Yeah. And I, that just doesn't seem to be the case for South Carolina athletes right now, unfortunately. And I hate to see all these injuries because it affects those kids, you know, on and off the field, um, obviously, and in their mental state. Uh, but, you know, something's got to change there. And I can't argue with people pointing at the strength and conditioning program uh, as as a reason to why that's, you know, an injury, uh, issue with all these injuries. Yeah, it's like, if you think about it, the amount of money, that well, obviously there's so much research out now. Yes. And the, the amount of money they spend for healthcare professionals in the building of doctors and all the other things that go on in, that, in the facility, it's like there's we should be able to get ahead of this. Or at least be, I could understand if you're like how everybody else in the country, you know, guys are beat up. Okay, whatever. But to the fact that it's like the, almost the whole entire first team, it's like, okay, yes. something here has to be wrong here. The research is available, so it's like we got to use it. Dabo Sweeney used to talk about at the end of every season, Clemson studies themselves. And it's like, and I'm sure South Carolina does the same thing. I'm sure he's not the only coach that does it. And it's like, but this is a thing that a reoccurring problem we're having. So why are we not putting more emphasis into getting this fixed? Because ultimately, this will mess up the whole season. That's what cost South Carolina last year was def- uh, injuries in the defensive secondary. Yeah. I mean, they were starting what like four freshmen against Clemson on the road uh, in a game that Jake Benning threw for over 500 yards, and their offense was spectacular. If they had a secondary which got cut open that game. Uh, who knows how that game is changed? Yeah, right. Um, and I would think you know you look at that after the season and say, hey, we had too many injuries this year. We got to find a different way to prevent some of these things. We got to go back and reassess our program and make sure everything is right, so that we're building the kind of guys who can sustain uh, a torturous season. I mean, it's, it's football. Do you get hurt? Yeah, absolutely. But you have to be able to build yourself up. To where, like, little things aren't, like, you don't just have these reoccurring injuries. When, like, I just keep saying, when you when it's this many guys, it has to be a bigger problem. It, it can't be just a string of freak accidents. Yeah. And, and when it's season after season, um, you start to look at some, you know, incompetence inside of the facility. Uh, we'll move on. You know, you mentioned a second ago, Holinsky, 16 for 41, 175 yards Saturday. Uh, 16 complete passes is, is, is not going to I, – I'm not going to do the math on that. What is that, like maybe 35 40% yeah. uh, completion percentage? That's that's never going to win you a football game. Um, that's that's kind of the completion percentage you would expect your punter to have on, you know, trick plays. <laughs> um, it, that's just – it's not good. He didn't play great. And like you said, you know, you pointed out that – there's been a lot of change in receiver, but it looks like they're not all on the same page, right? And Holinsky's throwing the ball to spots where receivers aren't. 
whether or not they should. It looks bad on the quarterback. It always looks worse yeah, on the quarterback yeah. from the TV because, right, they throw a ball and no one's there. Uh, but it could easily be a receiver issue with the receiver is supposed to be there and the quarterback's doing the right thing, but the receiver didn't. Um, so there, that's a huge problem. And this isn't the first time we've seen it, right? Uh, we saw that a lot in the Missouri game, um, which is Holinsky's second start or whatever. So third start. Yeah. First start on the road. And I don't – how how do you keep seeing – this is – we're getting to the point now and in the season where you can't – there's no more mis- excuses from the coaching staff to be made because the mistakes we're seeing – have been repeated every single week, right? It's it, There's no progress. Um, and that's what fans want to see is is progress. Show me something. Show me you're doing something, right? That's why Chad Morris is out of a job right now. Yeah. Because he couldn't win a football game. He, he didn't win a single SEC football game. They're not asking him to go win the SEC West, but win one, you know? <laughs> Show me you're doing something to make it better. Um, and it's the same thing here with this, with this team is you need to show – the mistakes that you've made in the past aren't happening again, and you've found ways to eliminate them. And, I mean, I don't know what else to do at this point other than to just clean house. Yeah. I don't like. I don't think – I think Muschamp's going to be here next year, but I don't think South Carolina – there is nothing they've shown me that South Carolina will be any better next year uh, just because of the, the complete, like, cycle that goes on with Muschamp's teams is is the inconsistency, and he talks about the inconsistency so much. But when you're te- when you have an inconsistent team, it's not on the athletes; it's on the coaches, because you've gotten a lot out of these guys at certain points in the season and certain points in their careers. But as a coach, you should be able to get that out of them every week, um, and it's it's just hard to watch. It's hard to watch for these kids, dude, because they're killing it. You know, yeah, they're they they show a lot of talent, but. You can't. They're not winning football games, which is the point of playing. And then right? one thing, you play to win a game. And one thing Edwards. to think about is like yesterday you saw, obviously Brian Edwards didn't play. First of all, I'm gonna ask you this, but answer in a second. What was your reaction? When you saw that he wasn't playing, especially at the early in the week. I was listening to the press conference. Much time, oh yeah, Shy Brian are good to go. Yep. I know the knee swelled up on Thursday, but it's just kind of like now people really do not believe him whenever he gets out of injury report. And then on top of that, that's kind of shows you what next year will be like. Because Brian Edwards won't be out there. So that's like the offense that you'll be working with. Obviously, yeah. guys will have more time to practice. And then also, next year, you won't have Ken Law either. So that'll be your, uh, hopefully somebody will develop. I wonder if Kier's going to get that red shirt. Uh, I don't know. I would think. I think I would think he has it. Um, I'd have to look that up. But yeah, I, I, I was surprised when I sit and see Edwards in the lineup. I'd heard or saw on Twitter or something that there was a possibility of him being out. Yeah. And then when I went and checked, you know, I checked. In plenty of different news sources. Everything was he's still playable because that's what Muschamp said. Yeah. And you come out Saturday and say he's out. I, you're right. It, it hurts his credibility when giving the injury report above all else. And I, one other thing I want to talk about when we were talking about Holinsky, and I know I've mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Pick a quarterback. Yeah. Pick one. Yeah. You you can't be running two quarterbacks. And on did look good at the end of the game. But if you want to carry on to be your quarterback, have to carry on start the game and have him be your quarterback. Yeah. How, like, I don't get how they don't realize that it just messes with both of their heads. They, they aren't being shown any confidence and they aren't, I mean, how can you believe in yourself if you feel like your coaches don't believe in you to get your job done? Yeah. Uh, and it's, okay. it's just, it, it's, 
it's weird and it's it's annoying to watch and it's just a complete you know lack of confidence inside the coaching staff is you can't even pick a player to play the to fill out the positions that you need to win this game you can't do that right like what what how can we expect you to win a football game? It's like we gotta go way back to the drawing board on that. Yeah. Whenever the, at the end of that game with the carry on was actually the quarterback and they they cut to Helensky on the sideline, he looked like absolutely miserable. Like really. But with that yeah. being said, did you like what the carry on kind of brought to the table on that drive? And also, do you think obviously it's early on, we don't really know anything about since he got since he walked uh, off the field? But do you think that they would consider have him start against Clemson? I don't think they will. I think it. I think they'll keep Alinsky. I mean, assuming everyone's healthy. Yeah. Um. I think they would keep Alinsky no matter what, but because I think Alinsky is, he's going to be your quarterback going forward. Right. And you're four and seven. No one's expecting you to beat the number three team in the country, defending national champion who hasn't lost in two years. Um, That's a long time thinking about it. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and you, you, but you do need to be competitive. But there's, they have nothing to really – they've already lost everything they have to lose. Uh, so I don't want to say, like, they have nothing to lose because the only reason they don't have anything to lose is because they've already lost it. Um, and I think Kalinske's your guy. But if he's going to be your guy, let him know that he is your guy and play him every single snap. Yeah. Let him lead the offense. Don't bring the carry on in half the time and, and kind of run this weird wildcat thing where he just runs the football every time. And what we've been saying for, you know, months now is when on comes in, you know it's a run. But last night throwing the football, he looked pretty good. Yeah. So if you want that in your offense, pick him at to start the game and let him be your quarterback. If you don't want that, if you think Holinsky's better and more talented and a better fit for your football team, start Holinsky and stay with Holinsky. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised whenever I saw him. Because, I, you know, right now it's a 100% chance of a run whenever he goes in. I'm like, wait, he's throwing the ball? And then, of course, he gets knocked out the game. Uh, and, you know, just to kind of go back to – I think McClendon has to leave. This is It's just not working for him. Um, and I think him staying only hurts himself, too, yeah. in the future. Because I don't think he's going to turn it around here. Um, but you can't go out to South Carolina and, and hire someone in-house. You need someone new. A whole new philosophy, really. You, yeah, you do. So you should have been calling Chad Morris as soon as he got fired. Maybe now you call him a little harder a few more times. Maybe go shoot him a visit. Go ahead and find you. I, it would shock me if that actually happened. But there are guys out there who have a different approach who Muschamp needs to go find to save his job. And this isn't – I mean, the guy is – I don't know if he's a curse – offensive coordinators or what is the deal but he's ran through offensive coordinators like crazy since he's been at florida he's probably had i think he's had like six or seven yeah, that's offensive quarters six of them yeah in eight years as as a head coach you can't exp- that's not a winning formula um so you got to pick something you got to figure something out and you need to find a guy quick because if you wait until january to try to find an offensive coordinator the ones you want are going to be gone um and the, like the same thing that happened, the reason that Muschamp is here, South Carolina kind of waited to hire uh, a head coach at the end of the season. And the Kirby Smarts of the world and the Tom Hervins of the world, who was rumored to be coming here anyway until South Carolina lost to the Citadel that year. Uh, and a few other guys were already taken up by bigger programs. 
Yeah. So that actually might work to their advantage since they won't be in a bowl game. That they'll go ahead. Well, not really because the coaches that wouldn't really bother them. But uh, with that, nah, nah, I scratched that whole thing. I was thinking it might work to their advantage because they won't be in a bowl game. But the coaching staff will be out in the road recruiting anyway. It was in. Did you hear? See the post game press conference. Whenever Muschamp was like, "I'm planning on taking this." It was a very awkward time to say that. It's like I plan on taking this team to the highest level of this program to the highest level it's ever reached. And it was like right after like a thirty to three, uh, thirty to six loss to A and M. And I think most people on Twitter just like, "What?" Like, we're, yeah, I think you lose by twenty five points on the road, uh, in conference in November with one game to go. Yeah, you. Don't just don't talk. Just yeah. shut up. Let's and I think Muschamp does a pretty good job with the media overall. Um, I think if you're a fan of his teams, he doesn't let a lot out. Um, his most of his players are pretty well coached up on what to say, which isn't necessarily a reflection of Muschamp. Completely, it's more a reflection of the entire media staff. Uh, but the way he handles himself with the media, I think, is pretty good. I think that's what you want as a fan. Yeah. But saying things like that, you go into territory where just just shut up. <laughs> just shut up, man. <laughs> say the loss sucked. Say you're going to go try to fix it and just move on, right? And your answers should be short and sweet and to the point. Don't give anything extra. Don't try to make excuses. I mean, fans see through that. These people aren't stupid. So and I think you just kind of beat the fans down by just keep giving them the same <laughs> message that you were showing no signs of actually getting to and the last thing uh did you have a problem with them being down 30 uh, some people lost their mind about this including my uncle i was watching the game with him whenever it was 30 to 3 and they kicked the field goal at the end of the yeah game. and then that was so funny i didn't even i was like, confused by that i didn't even catch it he was like what in the world why are we kicking a field goal it means nothing <laughs> playing a conservative when you're down 30 to 3 i didn't even catch it in the moment yeah, in the moment, I was like, whatever, because the game just didn't matter at that point. But you shouldn't be kicking field goals when you're <laughs> out 25 points. Just, I mean, what are you trying to not run up the score on them? Like, it, that's a that's a, that's a a move you pull if you're winning a game by 25 points in the in the fourth quarter. Not if you're losing. And, and uh, that that's just, I, I, I don't get that. So, South Carolina goes, they're on a bye week, um, which they need. Uh, Hopefully Leggett is healed up because he's got to be ready. To ex- and I also, we'll see if what happens with Brian. If Brian can play uh, for Carolina, or if he chooses to, because you know that. Yep. And then Leggett needs to be able to play. I don't think he entered the game again after that injury, which I thought was to his hamstring, but I think Muschamp said something to his knee. And hopefully, I think they said Feaster. Yeah, and hopefully Feaster will be back. I think I think Muschamp said Feaster should be back for Clemson, but we're actually gonna see what happens. I would imagine Tavian would play. <laughs> Uh, considering that it's his old team, and I'm sure he that game means a lot to him. Yeah. And I think at this point, if his injury is what they said it was, uh, and the timeline was accurate, the timeline that was given by South Carolina, I think he'll be back for Clemson. Um, so, but this week they're on a bye week, need to heal some guys up, and you can come home to Williams Bryce, where they'll probably be playing at noon now. And they'll lose by 50 to their in-state rival. That game will, just will not be close. I, I cannot imagine that game being close at all. Watching Clemson in the way they played the last six weeks, seven weeks, and watching South Carolina the way they played the last 11 weeks, there's, I, their performance against Georgia was good. I mean, it's their best performance of the year. That performance will not beat Clemson. 
it's got to be even better. Yeah. You got to throw up more than what did they throw up in that game? 17, 23 points, right? 23 20 was the final score. You're going to have to put up more than 23 points to, to beat Clemson because this defense is really good at South Carolina. When it's good, it's really good. But you you got to have some offense. Clemson's going to score no matter what. Um, well, speaking of Georgia, we'll go to Georgia, Auburn. Uh, Georgia beat Auburn 21 14 uh, on the Plains yesterday. Auburn just waited way too long to make this a football game. Yeah. I mean, they did this against Oregon, and it worked, but this doesn't work in the SEC. I was waiting on, like, I, and at the end of the game, Auburn almost came back and won, but it was like, what are y'all doing? Like, come on, let's get this thing going. They had opportunities, too. They were playing, especially, like, a lot of, like, short routes and stuff, and the commentator didn't really understand that because, like, they could be throwing that ball deep a couple times, but I guess that's just... Yeah, Gary, uh, Gary Danielson, I yep. think is his last name. I like Gary a lot. I think he gives a lot of good insight, and, I mean, obviously, I mean, Brad Nessler know the SEC very well. Uh, Gary's been calling games for the SEC game on CBS for, I don't know, just decades now. Um, it feels like my entire life, so maybe before that. But, yeah, you're, you're right. Like, you – like, Auburn is – Gus Malzahn, I, I think Auburn has to cut ties with him. I think they really should. Uh, I was talking with producer Brendan about this yesterday. If you just bite the bullet and get rid of him, it's kind of the same thing. Same scenario with Georgia and Mark Rick. That's right? exactly what I was thinking, yeah. Georgia was a really good team when Mark Rick was there, and they were very consistently 10 and 2, or 9 and 3, uh, and at worst 8 and 4. And then every now and then you win 11 games and make a splash. But they could never get over that next hill, uh, and Auburn seems to not be able to get over that next hill. You know, they're right there, they're beating Alabama and going to SEC championship games, and, and, you know, then they just can't do it. Not, like, they just they can't beat all the teams they, they need to beat. And it's a tough schedule for Auburn, right? You play Georgia every year, who's one of the best teams in the country right now. You play Alabama every year. You play LSU every year. I mean, you play the regular SEC West, you know, in, in Georgia. And then they schedule teams like Oregon out of conference. God, dog, that is right. They, so, they have the toughest schedule in the country year in and year out. Because even if they, they – you said they play Georgia every year? Yeah, Georgia's every year. So it's like even in the SEC East, you, you face the toughest team in the – wow. Okay, then you know that. That's yeah, so they're not only are they getting the SEC West, which is a nightmare uh, to try to win. Yeah. You also get Georgia, who's been top three team in the country for the last – three years now. And so. then possibly the Pac-12 champion, really one of the only two teams there in the discussion for a college football playoff coming out of the Pac-12. Yep. Um, so Georgia officially clinches the SEC East. They're on Atlanta. But they still, to me, leave a little to be desired on the offensive side of the football. And I get Auburn's defense is probably the best one they played this year? I was actually kind of surprised. I knew their defensive line was good, but their secondary, specifically number 13, I can't think of his name, but he really plays very well. I didn't realize how good their secondary was. Yeah, their their front seven's been unreal. Um, But it, it's I, they still, to me, Georgia, leave a little to be desired. And I think Alabama should be ahead of them in the college football playoff rankings because I don't think that Auburn is going to be able to hold it within – they're not going to be able to hold Alabama under 30 points. It doesn't matter who Alabama's quarterback is. Um, they just have more. They use their offense better than Georgia does, and they score more points. Georgia is obviously more power run with Swift and and the other guys they have in the backfield, but in that big offensive line. 
But I, I just don't think if you put Alabama and Georgia right now on a field in Canada, that Georgia would beat Alabama. I think you put them out there a hundred times, and I don't think Georgia wins a single time. It's like one of Georgia's probably more unimpressive campaigns. They'll get yeah. to the SEC, they'll get to Atlanta, but it'll just be like, and know, we just got in the door. And no, and, and I mean, if they win the SEC championship, they'll obviously be in the college football playoff. I hate this. And I think that's honestly, if you're the SEC and you want two teams in, you want Georgia to beat LSU by one point, and you want it to be the game of the century. Yeah. In Atlanta, because you'll have Georgia in and LSU in. Because um, at this point, you can't leave LSU out. So, who, by the way, just just wrecked Ole Miss yesterday. Uh, LSU won 58-37. Um, they were 21-point favorites. They won by 21. Uh, but, yeah, they gave up 37 points. That's kind of the thing with LSU. They gave up 38 to Vandy earlier this year. They're going to give up a lot of points. But the good news is they're still going to win by 20 or 30 because their offense is so good. Um, and... and I really hope we get LSU versus Ohio State or LSU versus Clemson. I mean, I hope Ohio State and Clemson aren't two and three because I want to see LSU play both of those teams because those will be incredible games because both of those teams have the offense to keep up with LSU. But Clemson's got a better defense for sure, and I think Ohio State does as well um, with Chase Young and, and some of the other guys they have on defense in Columbus. If, but if those would be phenomenal. You had to bet your last dollar on who would be that number four team. Who would you think it'd be right now? Right now, yeah. I think when it's all said and done, it'll be LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama. You think Alabama? Even, yeah. Uh, with the back quarterback. Yeah, I, I think Alabama will be fine. I, I don't. I don't think they're going to come close to losing to Auburn. Um, I just don't see it. And I mean, we'll kind of Georgia. By the way, has Texas A and M at home next weekend. They're just going to. They should. Beat the piss out of Texas A&M. They're a way better football team, um, but you, we'll see. I mean, they've struggled a lot. They struggled against Kentucky, so we'll see. Georgia has none of Georgia's wins have been that impressive. Is is the thing? Yeah. And when if you want to hold Clemson to the same standard of, well, they can't just beat North Carolina by one point. And I get Georgia's played a lot harder competition than North Carolina this year, but Kentucky, come on now. You need to be scoring before the fourth quarter, um, things like that. You you gotta be level with the with your standards of who they play, and I think Georgia's obviously played a better schedule than Clemson. There's no doubts, but Georgia also just hasn't. I think it's fair to say that they have not looked impressive in a lot of their wins, um, and we'll see. We'll see with the the two weeks, two three weeks, and there in Atlanta, that'll be a good game. So Alabama. Uh, Beat Mississippi State 38-7 on the road yesterday. Uh, Georgia 23-6 over Missouri. Um, Kentucky smacked Vanderbilt. I didn't watch any of that game. But I, I saw some highlights from it. Len Bowen. Bowden? Bowen? I think it's Bowen. Uh, Kentucky's receiver slash quarterback slash halfback slash... <laughs> Mr. Do-It-All. Whatever. Yeah, the guy's under... He's like Randall Cobb. Yeah. Almost. Um, and who is incredible at Kentucky, by the way. It, it, watching Randall Cobb was awesome. I loved watching him. I like watching him in Green Bay, obviously not with the Cowboys, but I loved watching him compete. I think he competed against like Cam Newton at that time, whenever he was in. I think uh, maybe a little before. Yeah, let me see. So, and Randall was, he was an amazing athlete at Kentucky, but that's the kind of guy you got right now in Lynn Bowen, too. He's carrying Kentucky. Uh, and then, obviously, LSU over Ole Miss and South Carolina getting smacked to A&M. That's your SEC scoreboard around the horn from the SEC. 
um, in, in the Big Ten this week, Minnesota, it, the two other big matchups, the two big matchups this weekend outside of the SEC, Minnesota at Iowa, and this is kind of what I thought would happen. I thought it would be a low, lower, close game. All of Iowa's games are within like six points of each other. Um, Minnesota 19, Iowa 23. Minnesota couldn't quite get it done. They had some chances in the fourth quarter and couldn't make it happen. Uh, it's kind of a classic Iowa home November big boy football. The, Iowa makes you, I think Iowa does such a good job. Whoever they play, they make you play their brand of football. Yep. They're going to make you out physical them. And if you cannot do it, you will lose. Um, and, and Minnesota couldn't do it. And I, I think Iowa has, that is just a perfect, they have that identity and they don't waver from it. And, and that's who they are, and that's how they're going to win football games. And they don't change anything, and they say, you know what? If we if we don't win, they, none of their wins are really pretty. They, they will just physically dominate you. And they were up in this game pretty much the whole time, or I think the whole game. And Minnesota just couldn't get it done, which is disappointing because I wanted to watch Minnesota go on a run. Yeah. Now, obviously, Minnesota can still make it to the Big Ten Championship uh They've got to beat Wisconsin here in two weeks. But they dropped to number 11 in the AP poll, which is, I think, about – they'll probably drop a little further than that in the college football playoff poll. I don't imagine they moved to, like, 14 or 15. Yeah, because they weren't respected undefeated. So now that he loses, it's kind of like, yep, yep, yeah, y'all just couldn't handle success. I think that that's a very good point about the Iowa making you play their brand of football. I always remember, like, you know, whenever college game day or whatever, it's at Iowa, they had the pitch on, like, the cornfields and stuff as you yeah. drive it. And that's, like, the perfect representation of what I think of when I think of Iowa football. Like, the guys, the offensive linemen grow up out there working on their family farm, and they get the scholarship to go to Iowa to be a Hawkeye. And they go there in Ohio State and these Minnesota, whoever school comes to play there, it's like, y'all going to play how we, y'all going to play our style of football. So, yeah, that sucks for Minnesota. That's probably one of the highest that their fan bases have been. Like, okay, we got a chance, and now they are. Well, they will, so they'll probably play Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, right? Yeah, it. it I mean, mostly. I, I think Ohio State plays Penn State next week. Yes, right? they do this week. Three thirty game from the yeah. Uh But yeah, Ohio State and Penn State has one Big Ten loss, so uh, they would own the tiebreaker if they beat Ohio State. What? I don't see that happening. Uh-uh. Yeah, Penn State. So it could we could get a rematch of Penn State Minnesota, which would be cool. Actually, I'd love to see it. Um, but I think Ohio State is probably gonna going to beat Penn State, and Minnesota's going to get demolished. I, I don't – man, it's going to be interesting to see if them, them play Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. All right, go from that one to the most disappointing game of the day. Baylor was killing Oklahoma at halftime. What was it, 31 31- Three or something? Let me check on it. It was a definitely a big because I was watching. It was at the bottom of the South Carolina game, and I was like, "Oh God, what's happening?" Yeah, it was thirty-one to what? Thirty-one to ten. Thirty-one to ten. Okay, yeah. twenty-one points. And they come out in the second half and don't score a single point yeah. against Oklahoma's defense. One of the worst defenses, I mean, in the country, really. Yeah. They're ranked over a hundred in, in a lot of defensive categories, and you can't score a single. They. I don't know what happened. At home, too. Yeah, at home. Which I don't know how much playing at home helps Baylor, but it hurt. It helps that they're not playing at Oklahoma. Exactly. Um, I mean, Baylor isn't exactly the scariest environment in the world. Nah. Their pregame, I didn't know this, but we were watching last night, and their 
students before the game, yeah, they, they have the, the Baylor line, right? I knew they had the Baylor line. I didn't realize they all rushed the field beforehand. Yeah, yeah. I saw them do RG three. I was like, what is this? Yeah. So I, I maybe you know I I used to watch a lot of Baylor when I mean I think everyone was watching a lot of Baylor because they were on every time you turn the TV on. RG three was there and Art Bryles had had Baylor going kind of before that that whole spiraled out of control. Yeah, spiraled out of control is is one way to say it. And so I'm sure I've seen that, but I just didn't remember, you know. So all their students gather, and they're wearing these yellow shirts. They're like mesh jerseys. Let's say the Baylor line, and they sprint onto the field before the game like they're playing football, and they sit behind the opposing team's bench. Um, I, like it in, I like an in-zone student section a little more. I tend to prefer that. I think most schools in the SEC kind of have theirs in, in an in-zone or in, in a corner. Yeah. Uh, behind the bench. I get it though. It, it keeps it makes it a little loud. You're right behind Oklahoma bench. I don't think you could do that at South Carolina. No, I at a school like this. <laughs> no, 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 no. Could you imagine the student section instead of being behind the goalposts where they throw the bottles, them being behind Clemson's bench, and even a player look like you know the player kind of look at them to kind of shush them. You might get hit in the head with something. Yeah, I mean they are a little bit because the student section wraps around. Yeah, and, and to the end of the. The east side, the northeast corner there, but yeah, I don't, you couldn't you couldn't do that <laughs> at a school like this. Um, but yeah, Baylor just laid down and let Oklahoma just beat him. And Jalen Hurts was unbelievable in the second half. Um, their jerseys, by the way, Oklahoma, I love when they you wear like those, those cream. Yeah, and they've got like the design and the in the crimson. Yeah, that's like, what's the, like the camo type of design. Yeah, I like and, and I, I like those, but. Baylor's were terrible, just all green. That whole like green that. concept, they look like, uh, there's a school around here called Spring Valley High School. Those are the exact yeah, same yep. colors. We're Spring Valley. Like, oh, God, it makes you want to pee. Yeah, they look like Spring Valley uniforms. and they, I mean, they're just t- it's just like the plainest green yeah. and the plainest yellow. And they just make the plainest jerseys, and they don't look good. Um, I liked Minnesota's again yesterday. I, I like, see They've them. got good color. All white with a, a burgundy helmet, maroon helmet, and a white M. Um, yeah, a matte helmet. Look at Minnesota nice. being creative. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, they've got good colors, and I've liked their uniforms for a while, but the last two weeks, I mean, when they beat Penn State, those were unbelievable, the ones they were wearing there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what what is Baylor doing? I thought they were going to win. I, I was like, oh, crap, they're beating the mess out of Oklahoma. They're going to jump up so high. And after, the, after halftime, I had them at, like, number five. Yeah. Right? In the country. <laughs> right? I was... I would say you put them over, you know, or maybe six. You put them right behind Georgia and Alabama. And then once they beat Oklahoma again, because it looked like they were going to just steamroll Oklahoma now and then steamroll them again in two weeks, three weeks, you put them over those two SEC teams and you get a Baylor, you get a Big 12. And they're sitting in the Final Four. That's that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, y'all, like, had it. Like, it's one thing that, you know, before this game, you lose a close one. It's like, y'all had this game won. You're going to head into at least a, a Big 12 championship game. Like, look, all we have to do is win this game and we're in. And you just blow the whole thing. Yeah, they really set themselves up for success in the first half. Yep. Let's go ahead like, all right, things can only go up from here. And boom, just destroyed it in the second. I don't know what happened. I, I couldn't figure out what was going on. Because Baylor's got a pretty decent defense. And their offense is decent, too. They can score some points. But they just decided to shut both of those things off and let Oklahoma just walk all over them. And, I mean, maybe the moment was too big. I don't know. Can't handle it. I don't know. I don't know how you come out of the halftime and don't score. If they scored one touchdown 
or they kicked one field goal that at least would have went to overtime. They yeah. scored zero points in the second half. That can't happen. Um, and that was the kind of my worry with Baylor was I wanted to see them win, but would they? And no, I guess they couldn't. Yeah, they couldn't handle but it. But they've got a great program down there right now, and this is does give you something to look forward to in the future. But you got to win this game this year. Come on now. You made it this far? Yeah. So now, now they will still probably play in the Big 12 championship. They have Texas next week. They'll still They'll play probably in the be Big Texas. 12 championship game. So you get your rematch. So you might still win the Big 12 championship, but I think this pretty much kind of cancels your your hope to get into the college football playoff. I would still – you got to see Jalen Hurts with a little bit of motion, which was rare. After they got the win, as hugging the coach. He ran over, and it's nice to see that. I would like to see Oklahoma take up that number four uh, spot in college football playoff. I don't think it will happen. Well, you don't think that I would? I don't want to see an Alabama without Tua in the playoff. I really don't want to see it. I want to see a. Uh, don't want to see a Georgia. Either. I want to see a. Um, I don't really care about Utah. So I really would only want to see Oklahoma play in that. Don't really care to see Oregon either. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think Alabama. It doesn't matter who's a quarterback. They're still going to score a lot of points because they have uh, Najee Harris and their trio of receivers. Yeah, Rose, and, Judy, and. Smith, I think. Like yeah, and yeah. You can just throw the ball to them, and I mean, I don't know. I think you could probably play quarterback, and you guys still win a championship. How did their backup guy look, by the way? Mac Jones, he looked pretty good. What two weeks ago when he played uh, for Al or for Tua? I mean, he looked. They scored fifty points that week. Granted, it was like Ole Miss or somebody. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it. I mean, he looked. He's looked good from the little bit that I've seen him, and I don't think that Alabama. And this is exactly what I had. I had two injury next on the rundown, so I'm, I'm glad we're moving into this. But why is he? Why is Tua playing in this football game at all? Yeah. I get you played him last week against LSU, right? They're the number one team in the country. You need every weapon you have to try to beat LSU, and it didn't work. Um, and Tua looked like he was limping around in that game a little. Why would you play him against Mississippi State? I mean, you could have. I could have grabbed my granddad and <laughs> stuck him out there at quarterback, and you would have won this football game. You don't need someone special against Mississippi State to beat Mississippi State. And I guess Saban's comment was we wanted Tua in so he could practice a two-minute drill. It, I just don't get that. I don't think it's worth the risk. Yeah, after last week, I actually, that's what I said. I was like, I think they, they should probably rest them, but it's like, okay, let's go ahead and let them play in the game. And uh, I don't know, just keep working on that injury. We're going to need him later on, so let's just keep letting him uh, get more. Yeah. Nah, nah, it sounds crazy because, like, Tua getting extra practice. Like, he doesn't need practice. I mean, obviously, you give know, him you more rest. Practice, but, yeah, give him more rest that later on in the season. Hopefully, y'all do end up making the playoff. Or even against Auburn, he'd be, like, really ready to go. Yeah, just to be clear, he didn't re-injure the same thing. He had, what, a high ankle sprain earlier in the yeah. year. He didn't re-injure that. So he has a dislocated hip and a posterior fracture. I don't know what a posterior is, but it's fractured. Yeah. Uh, so he's got a hip injury. Um, but you, the thing was that I, I just, it, to me it doesn't matter what the injury is because you knew he was a little banged up already. Why, like, and I'm sure Tua told you he was ready to go. But at that point, if you're Saban and you're that coaching staff, which Saban's made some mental mistakes in the last few years that we don't see, right? We don't see him lose by 40, and Dabo just outcoached him and out, his guys outplayed Alabama's up and face. down the field last year. Um but what what is like if you were saving, you can't take Tua's word for that. You have to say, you know what, dude? No. 
you are our quarterback. You absolutely are. And I get that you want to play, but you're a little banged up, and we are going to sit you because we don't really need you this week. Right? Maybe phrase it a little different. But facts are facts. We don't need you to beat Mississippi State. Uh, we can do that without you. But we will need you when we need, we play Auburn here in two weeks. Um, then we've been two more games rested. Also, that was what quarter did this injury happen in? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe second. It was kind of earlier. Was Maybe the game already third. decided? Yeah, yeah. Game? I mean, it was an Alabama game. Yeah, they were they were decided. They were up 17 points at that point. <laughs> yeah, there was three minutes left in the half. Okay, so That's there you go. Three minutes left in the first half, and. Uh, yeah, like, you, you just didn't need him. Like, he shouldn't have been playing. And so that's, they had him playing the two-minute drill before the end of the first half. Oh, that would make sense. Yep, that would um, make sense. All right. So, a little, we'll go, I, all right, I'll, we're running out of time, so I'll go my picks of the week real quick. Not a great week. But I found out you can follow me on the Action Network app, which is what I use to track all of my, um, my picks. Um, if you... Place a bet on whatever betting platform you use. You can go on this the Action Network app and plug in your what you bet on, and it'll just keep you updated throughout the day, and you can kind of remind it. It keeps it all organized for you. Uh, but go follow me on there, at Tyler Walters CNR. I changed it so it's the same as my Twitter. It's at Tyler Walters CNR. Um, you can follow me and see my picks and see my picks from the year, and, and you can see pretty much everything that, that I've placed in the Action app, which is pretty cool. Uh, a lossy over the Wake and Clemson over uh, because Wake Forest couldn't score a touchdown. They they only got a field goal. And Dabo, for some reason, only just got to score 52. So, <laughs> which sucks. Uh, but I'm blaming that's 100% on Wake Forest. Like, score more than three points. Um, have some kind of pride. And anyway, I'm blaming on Dabo a little bit because he could have put the fourth string guys in their defense in the fourth quarter and let Wake score a touchdown and got us to 60. Um, Michigan destroyed Michigan State. Yep. Michigan State scored first. I thought we were looking good. I had Michigan State plus 13.5. They come out, they're up 7 nothing. Um, I went, I had a lunch yesterday, Saturday, to go to. I'm watching it there. I turn off the TV, we eat, and I leave, and I'm coming back to my my house to get there in time for the 3, 3.30 games, the, the Georgia-Auburns, and turn on the TV, and Michigan just destroyed Michigan State. I wasn't keeping up with it, and it smacked them. 44-10 final score, just an absolute... T- Michigan has destroyed some teams this year. But they're about to get destroyed here in two weeks, so it's not going to matter. By Ohio State. Yeah. yeah. But I know Harbaugh was happy to get a win because, you know, the whole argument was he can't beat Ohio State or Michigan State. Well, at least now he got a win against Michigan State. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's... I don't even know. I think Harbaugh's going to end up... Michigan's going to have to do the same thing Auburn's going to have to do with Malzahn. Just say, you know what, we like you, but it's not working, so we're just going to move on. Kansas lost that one, too. They were plus 17. They mixed the PAT to lose by 18. Uh, bastards. College kickers. Uh, and obviously, Bama minus 17 and a half. And Notre Dame smoked Navy. They were minus 7 and a half. They won 52-20. Um, <laughs> that just wasn't even close. But I wanted to talk about this um, before we before we kind of sign off. You watched Cap- Colin Kaepernick held his – we talked about this on a Friday, Colin Kaepernick – held a private workout or the NFL held a private workout for Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Saturday. Yeah. So Colin Kaepernick had a workout on Saturday scheduled the NFL. 
He was supposed to be at the Atlanta Falcons practice facility. Colin Kaepernick didn't like the idea of that because he felt as if there was no transparency. He wanted the media and stuff to be able to see it. Also, Nike kind of got involved because Nike wanted to do an ad and the NFL wasn't going to allow their camera. So Colin said, I'm not showing up to that one. So then he went to a local high school where he had his workout. And one of their local news stations had it live streaming so you could watch it on Facebook. And from what I saw from the workout, one of my friends tuned into it and he was like, it doesn't really seem like Colin's too serious. Like, yes, he, and Bruce Ellington was out there who was a former game cop. Yep. And Bryce Butler was a former, what is it, cowboy. But anyway, it was like at first when Colin was doing like, you would expect like him to be all hyped up for this one. Like, yo, this is my time. This is for your chance for me to show that I can still play in this league. Like when he was going through his warmups, he was kind of playing with his daughter a little bit and, you know, taking pictures and then continue the warm up. And it really kind of reminded me of like whenever you get your homeboys and y'all just go out there and throw the football. Like they were running routes and stuff, but it was a very relaxed feel, not quite as professional, I think, as a lot of people were expecting. And the fact that he didn't, Stephen A. Smith had been reporting that he had talked to some guys in the NFL. And as long as Colin just showed up to the one at the Falcons, they were going to get him on just kind of as a publicity thing, just to kind of get this whole thing like sealed away. Yeah. But I think, and I think they had 20, I think, uh, somewhere in the 20 range of NFL teams that showed up for the one in Atlanta. But when he didn't show up to that one, only eight or nine scouts showed up to the new one at the local high school. But after watching that workout, the consensus is that he obviously can still throw the football, but I think he kind of pissed the NFL off because it's like we scheduled this workout for you, but you wouldn't come to it. But with that being said, another— I think the NFL kind of pissed him off. Yeah, it was kind I, of a bad— kind of I think thing. the NFL kind of did him wrong. And, I mean, like I haven't been on, uh, you know, Kaepernick's side in this thing as far as his ability to get back on the field— because I just didn't think he was that great of a quarterback to begin with. He's good. Yeah, there's probably a roster spot for him somewhere. But I understood NFL teams not wanting to bring in the excess with Colin Kaepernick to have an average quarterback, you know. Um, a quarterback that maybe whose ceiling is pretty high, but you're definitely taking a risk on to begin with, with his uh, playing ability. Yeah. Because he was really good when he had Jim Harbaugh, and when he didn't have Jim Harbaugh, it wasn't as good. So you ha- obviously have to make changes around him, which is fine. Um but I'm 100% on his side on this, and the fact that the NFL kind of scheduled this for him to say, like, they, to basically cover their own behind, right? And they just wanted to, instead of having Kaepernick be able to progress with another lawsuit against them, the NFL, they're like, uh, for, not, for kind of blackballing him, they're like, oh, well, we'll throw you this, we'll throw you this bone, but we're going to control everything. Right. And you can come to that, and we'll give you a chance. But they didn't tell Colin Kaepernick until after the media knew, right? The NFL did a lot of schemey kind of behind-the-doors things with this, and I think it pissed Colin Kaepernick off. I mean, I would have been pissed off if I was him. Like, yeah, you're going to go because NFL teams are about to allow you to work out in front of them, and you want to show your talents and you believe you can still play. And I believe he can still play somewhere. But, like, this whole NFL kind of controlling the narrative around him I don't think he liked that. You want to control your own message. Yeah. Um, which I think a lot of was what he was trying to do since the beginning of everything that happened with him is he wanted to control his own message, which is why he only talked to certain reporters. Um, and I cannot remember the guy's name, but he works for the NFL Network. Oh, I know you're talking about light skin guy. Yes. Uh, can't think of his name. Yeah. He only would talk to him so the Kaepernick, Kaepernick could control his own message. And I don't think he liked when the NFL tried to do the same thing. Um, Did you see the waiver that they tried to get him to sign? No, I didn't see the. What was the waiver? 
it's it's like the language on is kind of confusing for me. But one of the things was just like they're not responsible like healthcare if something goes wrong. Yeah. But also something with the whole incident yeah. of the collusion, not collusion, <laughs> collusion. It's like if I can't exactly describe it, we'll put it. Uh, somebody who's like a sports lawyer type guy, he tweeted about it. I'll retweet it on the lead block thing so okay. we can figure it out but it's really weird language like when I was reading I'm like hmm, I need a lawyer yeah yeah well that's like most like waiver things and Kaepernick definitely has plenty of money for lawyers definitely but uh yeah I, like I, I don't know the NFL tried to do him wrong and he didn't he didn't want any of that and I can't I can't blame him at all and at least he was able to change it up enough to where he could can you know control some things um he told I mean, them. Gee, did he even get to pick his receivers that came out there? Yeah, this time he did, but okay. they were saying that if he would have went into it with the Falcons, there would be no telling because it's kind of completely controlled by Yeah, the, what if uh, they have some bum like the team photographer out there catching pictures for you or catching passes for you? Like, That's not going to make him look good. That was a really good chess move by him. I know, Obviously, he's paying people to think of things like this, but I never would have thought of, oh, yeah, so if they go in, like if we don't allow the media, we can kind of say whatever we want to about the situation. So that was a good chess move. He told three of the teams, I'm pretty sure the 49ers were one of the teams that showed up. They were like, tell your bosses to stop being scared and go ahead and bring me on. So, that, you, Hey, that's fair. You predict, you think he'll be on the team? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. If he, I, I think someone will take it as a PR move, but I don't know if he'll really play. I really don't. Be a backup somewhere. I mean, the Bears could use him. So there's, the Bears really could. There's, I mean, there are definitely teams that could use something. Um, we're going to pretty much end on that. We're running out of time here. We're running a little long. Uh, but yeah, I just a weird week or a terrible week for the South Carolina football team in recap, and, and we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, I I just don't see I don't I don't know I don't see it getting any better. So Gamecock fans, bunker down. You got another nine or so months nine to what the hell, I don't know how when till next you got till next August uh, <laughs> before you're gonna win a football game again. So, at least you got that to look forward to. You can just give up on this year. You go do something else with your Saturdays. And keep... Start going to the women's basketball team. You yeah, think they were up like 45-3 to that state earlier today. Yeah, they're, they're killing it. Go to the park. Go do something with your family. I mean, <laughs> football is not going to work out for you. Um, go follow the show, Athlete underscore Block, on Twitter and Instagram. Matthew will, will tweet that uh, or retweet that link he was talking about or that tweet from a lawyer he was talking about. Uh, go follow Matthew on Twitter and Instagram at MattTheChosen1 with the number one. Go follow myself on Twitter at TylerWaltersCNR. And on the Action app, go go follow my picks. That way you can get them. Um, and see, this is the first losing week I've had all year, which is which is tough, but we'll, we'll get it going again. Um, and we'd like to say a special thank you to Ben Sound for our music for the show. Um, and make sure you go subscribe, rate, review on Apple follow on spotify uh share on social media comment on our posts dm us topics or questions you want talked about on the show Uh, we'd love to do that and just get asked with anything you want to hear from us we appreciate it we'd love some feedback and that's about all that's about all i got you got anything else matthew any last words name of that reporter uh from nfl network is steve witch okay all right um that's all That's it. That's it for me. That's it for me. We'll see you on Friday. This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org.